calendars. Calendars are a useful fiction. <laughs> Marking time is itself contrived by humanity to help us differentiate between one moment and another. Seasons and cycles are set up to give us a sense of, of movement in life. Anticipate what is to come and to remember the past. Today is the 14th of February. In our cultural calendar, today is a day to recognize and celebrate romantic love. While such activities can yield much joy for some, it yields sorrow for others for a host of different reasons. I am not going to focus on the cultural significance of the day. In the church calendar, today is Transfiguration Sunday, the last Sunday in the season after the Epiphany. The season of Epiphany has helped us remember stories of unusual revelations from God to God's people. Epiphany began with a recognition of the divine identity of Jesus from a young age when three Gentile or non-Jewish uh, religious figures, sometimes we call them magi, honored Jesus and his parents with a visit and extravagant gifts. Just after the Feast of the Epiphany, we celebrated the baptism of Jesus and witnessed the very voice of God saying, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. That's from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 11. More revelations followed in the lectionary readings for the season after the Epiphany, including these. Samuel, at a young age, being called by God to be a prophet. The calling of the first disciples of Jesus the ascent of Elijah to heaven, the story we just heard, and the calling of his successor, Elisha, who dares to ask as a prophet for a double blessing. Wow, he had more courage than I. Each story recounted remarkable revelations and precipitated transformations of God's people through the grace of our living God. Our season after the Epiphany concludes with a truly extraordinary unveiling. Revelation of the divine nature of Jesus, accompanied again by the very voice of God saying, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Mark 9, verse 8. In the Gospel of Mark, kind of as a whole, there are two powerful images of Jesus that are featured. One, Jesus as the truly divine Son of God. And two, Jesus as the truly human man who will be crucified in order to achieve the redemption of all creation. Epiphany and its season 
helped us rehearse the divine nature of Jesus on Ash Wednesday, the Wednesday of this week. We will initiate the season of Lent, time set aside to help us rehearse the vulnerable and the humble nature of Jesus. Both images, divine and human, are completely true and fully interwoven into the presence and the witness of Jesus Christ. Encountering Jesus as both God and man can reveal the holy triune God to each of us, can be a gift of God's grace to us, and can, if we're willing, facilitate a transformation of our existing self more and more into the fullness of all that God intends for each of us. The transfiguration of Jesus caught the disciples by surprise. That was well illustrated in the children's message. Nicely done. Peter, James, and John were selected from the group of the disciples to be unique witnesses to a glimpse of the divine glory of Jesus in our very mundane or ordinary world. The mention of six days in the text, that is six days after Peter's declaration that Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah, this may refer to Moses having encountered God with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, Moses received the law six days after he ascended the mountain. That's found in Exodus 24 and recounted in Exodus 34. Moses was also transformed in his appearance through exposure to the immediate presence of God. Do you remember that? He had to wear a veil because the, his countenance was too bright in the people. They couldn't, they, couldn't, um, they couldn't take it in that sense. The appearance of Jesus in dazzling white clothing may be interpreted as reflecting both a connection to the divine world and associated with his upcoming martyrdom. In the history of the church, martyrs have been depicted in white clothing to reference both their innocence and the purity of their faith. White is a seasonal liturgical color we associate with both celebrations during the season of Easter to emphasize the resurrection of Jesus and a color we use on the days when we remember those who have died for the faith, those who have been martyred for the sake of Jesus. The presence, the presence of Moses and Elijah with Jesus on the mountaintop emphasizes Jesus' role in God's plan for salvation history. Moses represents a person through whom God's intentions for humanity were communicated. Moses received the law, which is actually God's instructions for how God intends humanity to live in relationship to God and in relationship to neighbor, right? How we relate to God and how we relate to each other. That's what the law was about. 
Elijah represents a person through whom God initiated accountability in relationship to the law. Elijah was a prophet. Prophets were called by God, given a message from God, and required to share this message with God's people. The usual message from God concerned accountability with respect to the law. God observed that the people frequently acted in ways that were contrary to God's intentions. Prophets were sent to encourage the people to return to God. Keeping the law and obeying the prophets is necessary in order to live and be in right relationship with God. Because God's people could neither fully keep the law nor listen to and obey the prophets, God chose to come himself in the form of Jesus Christ to do all that is required to reconcile and redeem God's people. Peter, James, and John witnessed a physical manifestation of the relationship between Jesus and the law and the prophets in this transfiguration event. Jesus is revealed as the climax and the fulfillment of God's salvation history. Now, it's clear from the story that the disciples do not really comprehend the significance of what they have just witnessed. I mean, honestly, how could they even know? They express a very pious desire, right, to, to mark the revelation in a way that that geographic location of the event could be remembered. Uh, they could go to it and be reminded of all that happened. That's the, let's create three markers here, one for each of them, so that we can remember. Then the voice of God confirmed the divine nature of Jesus and commanded the disciples to listen to him. As Jesus and the disciples left the mountaintop, Jesus told them something that sounds a little peculiar to us, right? What does he tell them? Don't tell anyone, right? Don't tell anyone what you just witnessed. Huh. The disciples could not possibly have known what Jesus was talking about or what he meant about an upcoming death on a cross and resurrection from the tomb. The story of Jesus' death and resurrection make this clear. Some Jews did believe in a general resurrection of the dead, something that would happen, you know, at the end of all things. But at this point, the disciples could not possibly have been able to comprehend, I don't think, Jesus' meaning. Silence about what they have seen is likely commanded by Jesus so that there would be no organized movement to prevent his arrest and his crucifixion. Does that make sense? He didn't want anyone to stop them, to stop what had to happen. He needed to die. 
he needed to suffer in order to achieve the fullness of God's plan. Jesus' death was necessary to fulfill all of God's plan of salvation. The account of the transfiguration of Jesus involves revelation, grace, and transformation. The revelation of the divine nature of Jesus was not requested nor sought by the three disciples. It was an act of sheer grace on the part of God to allow them to bear witness to a reality that was not usually visible through our ordinary human senses. The transformation process within their lives did not come to fruition immediately. It didn't. In the beginning, they didn't understand anything of what Jesus was talking about. And according to the Gospels, it took them all a while to kind of begin to live into the reality. Transformation required the events of the betrayal, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus in order for the disciples to grow into the faithful witnesses intended through God's calling of each of them. Following the fullness of Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the disciples gradually, gradually grew into God's intentions for them. I believe, I believe that all of us, I believe that all of God's children are invited to share in experiences of revelation, grace, and transformation. Participating in this process is challenging, though, for listening and having a willingness to change are required. We need to be willing to listen and willing to change. Okay, this is where it gets a little hard for me. I am going to be vulnerable with a community uh, that I am less familiar with. And uh, so um, receive this, please, with, with grace. A little more than 35 years ago, I found myself in the midst of an experience of revelation, grace, and transformation. The experience began in the mid-1980s, shortly after I entered North Park Theological Seminary. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the only seminary huh, that we have for the Covenant Church. It's at North Park University on the north side of Chicago. I entered North Park about 18 months after becoming married with an intention of pursuing theological education for only one year in order that I might serve as an agricultural development missionary in the covenant mission field of what was then called Zaire. Believe it or not, my undergraduate education is in ag science. Seriously, I'm a farmer. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Unfortunately, Within a few months of my starting at North Park, my father died. I struggled with understanding his death. I was in my early 20s, and he was in his 40s. 
and I struggled with an increasing tension within my marriage. After my first year of seminary studies, faculty at the seminary and leadership from the Covenant Mission Board, I don't think it was coordinated, but wow, did they actually make a unified front sort of approach to me. They encouraged me to stay. You should stay in your program. Stay for two years, three, four years. Stay for four. Finish a Masters of Divinity. Oh, really? I reluctantly agreed and began my second year of studies. Soon after the year began, a friend from my seminary class asked me to lunch. As we met, he explained that he had seen signs of dysfunction in communication between my spouse and I. Now, those of you who may have been in long-term committed relationships, you may understand that I didn't hear that particularly well. And I didn't think it was a helpful word at all. We were just going to lunch. He said that he knew someone. My friend knew someone who he thought could help us. After some deliberation in the agreement of my spouse at that time, we entered marital counseling. The counseling lasted for several years, at first as a couple and then later as individuals with the counselor. The result was recognition of many destructive patterns of behavior for both of us. We both made lots and lots and lots of mistakes. In the beginning of building constructive, alternative patterns of living slowly emerged. Despite several years of continuous counseling, however, the marriage did not survive. My ex-wife filed for divorce shortly after I completed my four years of study at North Park. Only in retrospect do I now understand that my friend's intervention yielded a revelation, a revelation of brokenness and pain. With years of therapy, I was able to acknowledge destructive patterns, undergo a process of change, slowly. It slowly unfolded over years and develop more constructive ways of being, being with myself and being with other people. Truly, I can say this today, truly, it was God's grace that initiated that initial revelation and sustained the process of transformative change over years in me. In a state of being Newly divorced, however, I was not ready to enter the mission field, nor to consider a pastoral calling. Instead, I worked in a bookstore. I like books. Books like me. It was fun for a little while. I began to heal, and I began to grow. Eventually, with the assistance of another friend, 
I became aware of opportunities for continuing my education through studying worship and studying art. Uh, I'm conscious of the time. Through what I, I can only express as a profound intervention of God, one that was neither truly earned nor deserved, I was invited to study at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. At that time, I didn't even know where Notre Dame was. I had heard of it, but South Bend, where's that? It's not that far, not that far from here, evidently. Get this, I was offered an opportunity to pursue a PhD in worship studies that included a full tuition waiver and a cash stipend. Do you know what that means? <laughs> they paid me to go back to school. I was like, seriously? Huh, okay, why not? Why not? Wow, I had never aspired to pursue such a degree nor heard of such academic avenues. I accepted this offer and it changed my life. It changed everything. I spent the next six years studying theology and worship across the ecumenical spectrum. I fulfilled studio painting, studio painting, as a part of my academic curriculum. And I wrote a dissertation examining worship and church design. A passion and talent for teaching emerged over those years and ultimately positioned me to be able to teach undergraduates at Judson University. On the relationship front, in the midst, it is Valentine's Day. In the midst of my writing, I met my wife, Tracy. We have now been married more than 25 years. It's amazing and a gift. God's presence, working through God's people, has brought remarkable revelation, grace, and transformation to my life. In the upcoming season of Lent, a season long associated with introspection and self-examination, I challenge all of us, all of us, to seek God's revelation, grace, and transformation. God usually works, to be honest, through the people around us. That's usually who God works through, to connect with us. Pray, pray in this upcoming season for eyes to see and ears to hear and the courage to change and the desire to grow. The Holy Spirit is active in and through and around us all the time. May we be truly available to one another, bear witness to the truth of Jesus Christ that is inside all of us, and pursue change as God intends for each of us. Amen.